Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing or spirituality or social transformation. And I'm very excited about today's show. I've had it scheduled for quite a while. And uh, my special guest today is Scott, and I hope I get the last name accented correctly, Mandelker. Sure. There are two ways that people go with it, Mandelker or Mandelker. Um, How, what, what do you prefer? I prefer Scott. Okay. So right. I, 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 don't, okay. I don't identify with that name very much, but I identify with my first name. Okay. So my special guest is, special guest is Scott, <laughs> and uh, I came across Scott's work out of my interest and love for the Law of One, material and wanting to understand it more fully and personally and have it be more accessible to me and also in my role as a healer teacher guide and coach for people i'm always on the lookout for really good stuff and how to make really good stuff more accessible and um i think these are areas where scott really really shines um Scott's been deeply immersed in studying and sharing the law of one for many, many years. Scott, what um, what year did you actually start to really get into the law of one material? Um, well, I started reading in the late 1980s. So, I mean, I can give my background. Maybe a five-minute bio would be helpful if people don't know who the person named Scott is. Yeah, we'll do that, but I just want to frame frame the conversation a little bit first. Sure. Yeah, I, I yeah. started reading the raw material on my own um, with some very early um, paper-bound volumes in the late 1980s. So that's 30 years wow. from now. So I've been reading the raw material for myself for 30 years and teaching it for about 20, 25 years, since the early 1990s. Before my first book, I was doing some um, kind of private small groups teaching in San Francisco. So I've been teaching mm -hmm. it, so studying it for about 30 years and teaching it for over 25. Okay, well, that's that's commitment right there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, at least in this country, I, I think are just really hearing about the Law of One material in the last uh, five years or so, uh, David Wilcox started talking about what an influence it had on him. And then one of the younger contemporary teachers, Bentinho Massaro, started talking a few years ago about the fact that uh, he found that material to be the highest quality spiritual material that he'd come across here on the planet. And so a lot of people are checking it out. But I think it's it's not the easiest spiritual teaching to penetrate and I think it takes a special something to be able to do that. And then another special something to be able to share about it and teach it in a way that really is effective. And uh, so I just wanted to let my listeners know that um, I feel very, and I'm not only excited, but I feel very honored and privileged to uh, have Scott here for an hour and a quarter or so. And, uh, so 
with that as a, a, a basic orientation, I think this would be a good time to turn it over to Scott for a while to introduce himself and in that framework to begin to introduce the law of one material for people that don't know anything about it. So let me turn it over to you for a while, Scott, and then I'll just let you go with it unless um, I'm just compelled to interrupt <laughs> you and ask you something. But basically, why don't you take it away for a while? Okay. All right. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for interviewing me. Um, we spoke before and I um, enjoyed our talks, so I appreciate that you're interviewing me today. Um, <clears throat> I was born, I'll give a very quick bio. Um, I was born in 1962 in New York City, so I'm 55 years old now. Uh, my initial um, plunge into spirituality was in high school on my own, <clears throat> around age 15, 16, uh, reading uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism in translation. So I was reading Dhammapada, Buddhism, um, some Patanjali Yoga Sutras in translation, Taimni, and Tao Te Ching and um, I Ching, um, Arthur Whaley translation and um, Wilhelm's translation of I Ching. So I had a very serious approach to Eastern religion from you know high school, and then at eighteen um, I learned meditation, which was uh, Buddhist breath meditation, vipassana, anapanasati, mindfulness of breath, and plunged into that. And by 20, I was very deep and dropped out of college and uh, was in and out of Buddhist monasteries for the next three years. So it took me seven years to finish college. And I lived a short time in Thailand in a forest in the south and in uh, Japanese Zen, um, Japanese Rinzai Zen tradition temple in upstate New York, uh, Daibasatsu Zendo, and Korean Zen in Rhode Island for a short time did lots and lots of practice on my own, and made some breakthroughs of some deep angst and lots of questions. And so I ended up going to a Buddhist college, Naropa Institute, Boulder, Colorado, got my BA in Buddhist Studies and Psychology, 1987, uh, <clears throat> and returned to the world. You know, for a while I really wanted to be a monk, a forest monk, and uh, be done with uh, the worldly. But... Uh, when I was in Thailand, um, I realized that you know you can take your you can take your clarity or you can take clarity and wellness anywhere, and it really wasn't appropriate for me to be a monk in this lifetime. I knew that. So after the BA in 1987, uh, eventually uh, I went to California, San Francisco, and uh, enrolled in California Institute of Integral Studies and got a master's in integral counseling in 1990 and a PhD in East-West psychology in 1992. Uh, and along the way, <clears throat> in the 80s, um, after leaving the monasteries but continuing meditation, I encountered the raw material. And it um, answered some very vexing questions I had about my own personal presence on this planet, meaning why am I here with this group of souls or humanity that makes so much trouble for itself and seems to show so much violence and injustice and suffering and confusion. And, um, you know, the idea of being a wanderer uh, resonated with me, stranger in a strange land or an old soul. 
and I ended up writing my PhD dissertation on the subject of people who came to believe that they are wanderers, or ET souls. And that became my first book in 1995, From Elsewhere, which was published in the U.S., and then uh, two years later published in Japan. And so from the mid-90s until now, my work has been full-time teaching and counseling. I started doing counseling in about 1990, so I've been counseling for doing personal sessions for nearly 30 years also, and teaching also formally for over 20 years, and basically make an integration of the metaphysics of the raw material along with uh, core topics from early Buddhism, which means Theravadan Buddhism. There are three schools in Buddhism and lots of branches, so Buddhism is complicated, <clears throat> and what what I found is that uh, many of the many of many many social or planetary dynamics of our life here, such as polarity, good and evil, such as the sense of alienation that many of us feel, um, many of us being wanderers, um, the meaning of the present time on Earth, uh, meaning a special time. Some, some unusual things are happening here, geophysically, uh, in terms of solar activity, uh, in terms of uh, development of human consciousness, uh, in terms of individual personal transformation, um, that that level of the, the world process uh, was very well presented uh, deeply by Ra in ways that I couldn't find in Buddhism. Meanwhile, a deep analysis of the human condition of suffering or dissatisfaction, uh, the nature of experience and mind, uh, and the way or the goal, right, a noble eightfold path to uh, freedom from suffering and confusion and eventually freedom from rebirth uh, is spoken exquisitely in Buddhism, uh, particularly early Buddhism from the Pali language uh, scripture, the Pali canon, Pali language of northern India 2,500 years ago. So, <clears throat> I found the raw material, um, the most important document, I, I would say that the raw material is one of the most important spiritual documents, at least in English, in the last 2,000 years since the, the time of Jesus or Yeshua. And my personal, you know, I basically, like many, teach my own personal interest. And my own personal interest would be uh, grounded in transpersonal psychology, that's my academic training, uh, and East-West um, integral psychology, religion, philosophy, metaphysics. And so uh, I have a YouTube channel, which is about six years old, and I have two Skype groups, and we've been doing the Law of One raw material sessions quoting chapter and verse, reading session-by-session uh, question-answer-exchange uh, one after another for the last few years. I have 206, 200 uh, videos or talks on the raw material, and then other core topics of the raw material, which um, many people, um, you know, which some, of, some of those topics uh, are a little bit underappreciated. One in particular is what I call healing and balance. So I have playlists on my YouTube channel that focus on what I consider the major themes presented by Ra. And so the main playlist is the Law of One Ra material, you know, over 200 talks, 
question by question, session by session, um, from 1 to 97, where we are now. But there's also a section on sexuality and spiritual path, tarot and archetypal mind, uh, wanders and ET souls, and then he, uh, cosmic plan and ET history. Ra gives a very exhaustive history from uh, Maldek and Mars, um, you know, this is their chronology of solar system life, to the present time, which is uh, several hundred thousand years. And I've systematized that as well into a timeline. And then the, finally, the, the section or the work on healing and balance, which I have, you know, 53. <laughs> I wrote a PDF, I put a PDF compilation up together on the raw material, healing and balance teachings, which I think are most useful and the most underappreciated portion of the law of one. <clears throat> even even the law of one, many people don't really understand what that means. And so, out of my own personal appreciation of the law of one, or Ra's teaching for 30 years, comes my systematization of it and presentation of it, uh, you know, in lectures and uh, on the YouTube channel. And uh, you can say that their main teaching is the law of one, and the law of one is basically the teaching of the reality that all the many is one life. All the many things and people and places and objects and time and space itself represents one unified life uh, emerging from a unified source of the one infinite creator or intelligent infinity uh, with uh, intelligent design, with benevolent purpose, uh, in order... Um, even though there looks like a lot of disorder in the human world, <clears throat> because there really is free will. And uh, Ra's uh, teaching of the Law of One, or the 106 sessions, is not simply that you know <laughs> singular philosophical point of unity, but they said the proper weighting, what they consider the proper weighting of information, meaning some information is more valuable and important than other information uh, based on how it pertains to our eternal soul evolution. And so there's a saying, the human saying, uh, you can't take it with you. Well, that's true. Um, I, you know, accumulation of body-mind and conditions of body-mind, <clears throat> uh, some you can't, certainly conditions of body, you can't take with you. But what you do take with you is how you've transformed the body, mind, spirit, or the so-called self, uh, the seven chakra, seven energy system that we call our self. And Ra's primary teaching is that, number one, uh, there is information that they present, or which is what they focus on, and that you can find anywhere, that is more helpful to us than others. There's transient information, information of, of names and places and things, that, that we won't take with us or doesn't help us with what we um, do take, which is our mind and spirit and consciousness flow. And then they presented the core teachings on healing and balance, which unfortunately very few people know. <laughs> so, and it's all um, in harmony with the raw material, with, uh, with Buddhism, the teachings of Buddhism, which, is all, which are all path-oriented path or path-related path-centered teachings. And so a lot of people <clears throat> uh, that are getting into the raw material don't go beyond um, the teachings on wanderers or ET souls, which are very important, 
or the teachings on confederation, positive extraterrestrial, you know, collective, which is helping Earth, or the contrast between uh, the positively oriented higher dimensional confederation and the negatively oriented Orion Federation and what that means, meaning the whole issue of cosmic polarity, which is very important, obviously, and it pertains to what's happening on Earth today, for sure. But their te Ra's teachings are far deeper and give, I, I have found for myself, a very uh, helpful enrichment of Buddhism and teachings like Advaita Vedanta or Hinduism and Taoism that are centered on path, the path of soul evolution or transformation. Uh, because uh, no matter what um, affairs of the day and social conflicts we have or secret space programs and secret activities are going on here, uh, we will leave this world one day. And um, those matters will not concern us, actually, when we leave. What will concern us is how well we use this lifetime for personal transformation. And that includes how much we've helped others. But uh, they're, you know, they're uh, interfaced. So uh, my entry then again into the raw material was really via uh, uh, deep study and practice of Buddhism and multiple paranormal experiences where I too came to realize I'm a wanderer. Very tangibly, as far as I could know, in terms of paranormal out-of-body experience, the reality of wanderers um, is very personal for me and for many people. And that um, was, was extremely helpful to me. And <clears throat> basically, one of the other core teachings of Ra is that the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. And this is no different than the Buddhist teaching, form and emptiness. You know, form is emptiness and emptiness is form. <laughs> and to examine what that means takes a lot of time, you see. So that's why I have uh, hundreds of talks on YouTube, because I like talking. And uh, it really does require a lot of unpacking to get clear about um, what it means that the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. What is the metaphysical? Um, what is form and how does it relate to emptiness? Um, what is the way of healing and balance? Uh, what's the difference between the lower triad and the chakras, the personal and the upper four, uh, which are the transpersonal and the universal, this kind of thing. So uh, I love the raw material and I uh, respect uh, the raw group tremendously. And I think it's a, indeed a critical uh, transmission to humanity here at the end days of the 3D cycle of evolution. And uh, to know what that means, then you've got to get into Ra's mm -hmm. teachings on uh, cosmology and the cycles of uh, planetary evolution. But anyway, many, many deep topics. Okay. So <laughs> uh, one thing that came up when you were talking is that uh, I think it would be useful for the listener before we go any further to define how you're using the word wanderer. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, many traditions or in the West, there's some idea of old souls. Uh, an old soul, it's, it's not different than the term old soul, where that's used to indicate a being that is incarnate temporarily in a human body, as we all are, um, that has had more reincarnations than what's normal or common um, with the human population. The soul age, being a little bit older, 
and basically then like you know comparable to uh, an elder uh, human person who's uh, 60 or 80 100 years old versus somebody who's younger and so wanderers are directly just presented in the raw material as um, generally nearly always benevolently oriented or positively oriented souls from fourth and fifth and sixth densities which pertain to other planets in other solar systems generally associated with the consciousness of fourth and fifth and sixth chakras so if you want to know uh, about wanderers you got to know about chakras and then if you want to know about chakras you got to consider the difference between four five six and one two three and so wanderers in the raw material are presented as uh, as old souls who are native to higher dimensions uh, associated with fourth and fifth sixth dimension fourth and fifth and sixth chakra consciousness which is associated with the the law of love the law you know the dimension of love and understanding four the law of light or dimension of wisdom and uh, true mind five or the law of one uh, dimension of unified self six that also pertains very well to buddhist cosmology which talks about two higher of the three realms called form and formless realms so uh, wanderers are strangers in a strange land wanderers have come to earth uh, basically to be of assistance to the planet and humanity at this time which is uh, Ra talks about as the time of harvest which is akin to dimensional shift meaning the planet itself is evolving into a higher energy condition associated with the next cycle of soul evolution being fourth dimensional now a lot of people in the new age say we're talking going fifth in their view if they can explain it which they usually can't they understand the um, planetary astral plane which is uh, in my understanding 3d non-physical they understand that as fourth dimensional and that the planet is evolving to a condition above that called fifth dimensional and that's the new age so they often talk about going to fifth dimension however uh, obviously humanity has not really demonstrated a great understanding of love which is associated with fourth chakra and so uh, the human condition which is very three-dimensional now uh, the idea that it's leaping to fifth dimension which is associated with fifth chakra without a phase of time in which the development of fourth chakra uh, love compassion caring uh in you know uh, achieves or or comes is very silly the metaphysics is, that raw presents which actually you you really won't see somewhere else is that each each of the each of the dimensions of self-consciousness uh three four five six where there's where beings have a sense of self have a alternation between an incarnate and a disincarnate phase and so at the human level or 3d earth today uh, physical 3d raw calls space-time <clears throat> non-physical where you go after death where you were before birth the astral plane summerland astral city uh, all of these notions of uh, the other level of kamaloka in buddhism is 3d non-physical or 3d time space and so people who are saying oh the planet's going to fit density um, I believe seem to be calculating that, that the, the astral plane is four so we're not becoming astral we're you know going to five but it doesn't really fit <clears throat> to me so these are little details but if you want to get into um, planetary evolution you have to consider that beings 
uh, and planets sequentially evolve in a way up the uh, chakra ladder from first dimensional up to seventh dimensional <clears throat> in accord with development of consciousness that's native to each of those chakras. And so it seems to me humanity is a race of souls that have not yet learned to love and are trying to learn love. <clears throat> While wanders coming in, um, and Ra talks about their numbers as 60, 65 million. That was in the 1980s, 1981, I think they gave that information. Today, I would say the numbers may be 100 million, but I don't think it's much more than that. And that's 1 or 2% of the population. So 98% of the people on Earth <clears throat> are uh, 3D natives or not wanderers. That doesn't mean they're not good. It doesn't mean they can't be spiritually minded. It doesn't mean they're any moral deficit or anything. It just means they're younger souls. And some people criticize that notion of wanderer, say, oh, you feel so special. <clears throat> You're just saying that to make yourself feel better. There's no better and worse. There's no older, younger. But actually, you know, some people are taller and some are shorter. <laughs> some have more wisdom and love and some have less. And so we're not talking about true nature or ontology. We're talking about development of functions, development of the function of love and wisdom. And that's what old souls are. They had more reincarnation and they uh, <clears throat> are more familiar with love and light. And so uh, I believe many of the people that are attracted to the law of one or the raw material are wanderers. Many of the people who care about the planet as a whole are wanderers. Many of the people who feel <clears throat> angst and uh, distress at human suffering and human warfare are wanderers. Many of the people who brought inventions and good things like Tesla uh, over the years are wanderers. Um, Ra said that Jesus was a wanderer. And so, you know, these are ideas that are totally unprovable. And um, Ra addressed that itself already and said that they're offering truth without proof. Uh, clearly, they're not offering any proof of anything, but you won't find it in any religion anyway because it's all subjective notions. So these are ideas for people to consider. But <clears throat> the, the nucleus of the New Age movement seems to me to be wanderers or old souls or those who have chosen to be here at this time, uh, this special time in planetary evolution. And uh, that itself represents something very important on a deeper level of, of social, planetary, metaphysical analysis to me. You, you have a socially active and engaged sub-subgroup of higher dimensional beings who have a lot of confusion, <laughs> and they have their angst, and they have their psychodynamics, and they're not saints, generally. Uh, and Ross said that wanderers become completely the creature of third density in mind and body. And so, yeah, uh, wanderers suffer illness and have um, conflicted psychodynamics and uh, bad patterns. Uh, that's not unusual, meaning unhelpful ways. But uh, today, I would say, for the first time in Earth history, uh, you have a representative sub-subculture in uh, globalized human society that has direct access, at least direct resonant uh, relationship to higher dimensional benevolent extraterrestrial life, which really means um, the spiritually elder members of this solar system and this sector of the galaxy 
have a representative subgroup uh, in flesh, in the body, somewhat engaged with society, you know, in their own distorted way, somewhat clear, somewhat confused. Uh, but but this is a this is an unusual time, and very much like Jesus Yeshua, who said, um, you know, there'll be a new kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth. Uh, in the twinkling of an eye, there'll be a new heaven and new earth, uh, and the meek shall inherit the earth, a new heaven, a new earth. That's what's happening with planetary um, dimensional shift and evolution. That's what the new age is all about: is the planet moving into a new condition of energy that is associated with the capacity to host a higher level of human soul evolution but only those that have self-qualified by love and honesty basically by development of consciousness in love and honesty um, will be able to partake of um, the next phase of evolution on the planet and wanderers play a critical role in that um, but are, you know, um, ontologically not any better. Their worth is not any better or worse than anyone else, of course. Right. So I, I want to talk a little bit about myself and my journey and how the law of one has impacted me sure. and uh, bring up a few topics that I'd like you to kind of riff on a little bit. So... By the time I got exposed to the law of one material, the raw material, I already, um, for lack of a better word, was a pretty seasoned light worker, guide, healer, teacher. And uh, a lot of the raw material was very validating for me, but there were some things in it that were um, kind of revelatory for me. And I want to talk about both of those. So, you know, definitely that wanderer, stranger in a strange land type feeling um, was very validating to learn about the wanderer and it just fit so precisely. So that was cool. And uh, I had always had a great respect for the divine feminine and the power of sexuality that it could be used as a force for healing, for growth, for realization, for, uh, for sharing. And that, uh, I'd always had this, uh, terrible feeling about all the ways in which Hollywood and society was completely using sexuality for anything but those things and it was very validating to come across the raw material on sexuality and I think you've done a great job of summarizing that. Um, uh, an area that was really revelatory for me was that one of the questions that I'd had even from as a young child before I could formulate it as clearly as I can linguistically now is I was really living inside several deep questions. And one of the questions I was living inside was, well, gee, if there really is a loving God that loves us and knows us and cares for us and created us and is, is you know, like that, uh, why is there so much pain and suffering in this world? And, you know, I had 
come to the conclusion before the exposure to the raw material that it had primarily to do with misperceptions and unconsciousness and that everybody deep down was basically good. And um, that was the way that I held things. And um, there's some truth in that, but there was a missing piece that um, the raw material clarified for me and has made such an enormous difference. And that is the material about the harvest. And we can go into defining what that is and that there's two ways, two paths to be harvested to the next level. And one is through what many would call a lighted path, the service to others path. But there's this other path called the service to self path. And, um, to, and obviously they, that service to other path, the dark path that it, it, it eventually comes to an end because after a while, there's a realization that um, when you attempt to control another, you're basically trying to control yourself, but that's way down the road. But so in terms of understanding existential life in this lifetime for me, because if you look around, you can see that so many things in our society don't work very well. And, you know, I, I would say up until my early 30s, I thought that was just due to unconsciousness. And um, then I started getting exposed to all the material about all the nefarious things that are going on behind the scenes. And then that was a shocking. But then when I opened up to that and I realized that, yeah, that is going on um, and that, that we need to take that into account, uh, that I started to kind of get used to that and I kind of went along probably for the next 20 years after that, kind of learning how to adapt and negotiate to that. But it wasn't until I got to the raw material that I really understood that the souls that were choosing that path, that um, they, that it wasn't bad, that it wasn't wrong. I, I Somehow I, the raw material catalyzed for me letting go of judgment mm -hmm. about the dark path yeah. and understanding it, its role cosmically and understanding uh, its role for me in my life. Like for the first time, I feel like I really understand when Yeshua said to love your enemy. Mm. I, I think I really, really get that. And, mm. you know, one of the biggest traps for light workers is that if you if you get stuck in judgment about the dark side, you're now part of the dark side in a way. Yeah. You, you know, you, you've sort of fallen into that vibration. And so uh, the reason I'm telling you the my story is because these particular things that I'm hitting on, wanderers, sexuality, uh, uh, healing the, the first, second, and third chakras, uh, dealing with the instincts, uh, uh, the 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 importance of 
sexuality, the 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 the, the correct understanding of polarity and uh, service to self and service to others, and then of course as a quote unquote professional healer, uh, basically my entire adult life, uh, a radical healer, the views that the raw had about healing was very very validating to me. So. I wanted to share my story and share those seed thoughts because, you know, I think a lot of my listeners and viewers are people that share some of those, share some parts of that journey and have some of those similar areas of focus. And so Mm. I wanted to kind of set the table for you if you wanted to go into more detail about any of those so that... so that our listeners would have more of a background to appreciate what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, big plane going overhead now. That's the rumbling. Um, <clears throat> uh, first of all, I uh, also found the raw Ra's teaching on polarity and the existence of two paths back to the Creator, two paths of soul evolution. Found that to be revelatory and took me to an understanding that I really hadn't had uh, from Buddhism and Hinduism before. Buddhism and Hinduism do talk about a left-hand path, do talk about higher-dimensional, negatively-oriented beings. Negative doesn't mean bad. Negative means uh, absorptive um, rather than radiatory of love-light. It's uh, the path of control and separation rather than the path of love, freedom, and uh, unity. So that's negative versus positive. So there's no judgment implied in the semantics of positive-negative. Simply, you know, like electrical electricity, there's polarity of positive uh, and negative uh, charge. So that's all they mean by that. To me, <clears throat> uh, it also helped me profoundly make peace with living in this world. And um, as you say, what we call negativity or control, domination, oppression, what leads to warfare, what leads to deception, misinformation, the human matrix, the Illuminati, the New World Order, all the secret societies that seek uh, world conquest, black magic, all of that um, is the result of human free will or uh, human free will that we could call misperception because there's no recognition of unity or the the supremacy of love and love and unity are really two sides of the same or love is a is a dualistic expression of unity actually and so yes uh, by human misperception and human free will uh, beings choose um, that service to self-controlling path or ways of living here Uh, if you want to go beyond Um, or find the basis of that, uh, Ra also spoke of um, the original desire. And so Ra spoke that the original desire of the creator of the seven-dimensional, what they call an octave, or seven-dimensional sphere of soul evolution with planets and beings and um, what a solar system is in its full um, nature is a seven-dimensional kind of spherical um, realm for beings evolution the original desire is that entities seek and become one yet free will is paramount 
and so of the three primary laws uh, basing you know that, are, that is the basis of soul evolution or implicit to cosmic structure uh, the first is the law of free will and they call it a distortion which is another <laughs> long study as to why they call the law of free will a distortion but uh, the uh, multi-dimensional universe which is focalized into seven-dimensional solar systems uh, within which this solar system we're currently experiencing third-dimensional physical incarnation and consciousness uh, they're all guided by the law of free will or beings within uh, have free have the experience certainly of free will by which we choose and um, there really are considered two ways of evolution uh, one is uh, seeking to conform to reality which is of unity and love which is the positive path conform in the sense of purify ourselves of distortions and obstructions um, mm -hmm. that keep us from a full appreciation of unity in love and wisdom the other path mm -hmm. is the rejection of all that and that's a way of separation and control what's really critical to understand is that this is a special planet this cycle i mean from the raw material metaphysics um, humanity is shown seen as a um, unique uh, composite of multiple 3d planets souls meaning the souls uh, on uh, planet earth that are called humanity historically certainly from Ra's estimation of the last 75,000 years uh, have come from multiple 3d planets some of those planets were positively oriented in their 3d cycle some were negatively oriented they're considered to have all gone on to their fourth dimensional cycle yet the people who come to earth the souls here um, were those who didn't make the harvest who didn't graduate with their planet into fourth density but the composite nature is that you have some some people here who are very highly developed in the way of third density some who are beginning at the uh, you know in their career in third density evolution others who are very strongly negatively oriented and others who are very positively oriented and that composite nature uh, the conglomeration the bullia bays of humanity uh, is one reason why there's so much discord and dissent and disagreement and ways of living that um, don't fit well and why we don't even have um, an agreed upon um, spirituality or religion right religions are all uh, at odds with each other and many people have rejected religion and spirituality outright they're called materialists and nihilists and so uh, this is a unique situation this third density cycle on this planet at this time yet it's all in accord with God's plan or the logoic design uh, and Ra explains the very nitty-gritty levels of the administration of the solar system of seven dimensions as well <laughs> something that Buddhism obviously doesn't get into because Gautama Buddha basically felt it wasn't necessary I mean Buddhism is path oriented or path centered and so is you know Advaita Vedanta or Hinduism and Taoism as well but the raw material um, not only talks about paths such as healing and balance and progression through seven densities seven dimensions but they also talk about um, the metaphysics of um, collective life or planetary uh, evolution 
in its social um, organization, a social social form and structure, where you have strong negativity. And so, um, yes, it was critical for me too to hear explicit the teaching from Ra that there really are two ways. And in the mind of the Creator, in accord with the uh, you know logoic plan, logos, uh, the Greek word meaning word, or in the beginning was the logos, in the beginning was the word meaning what Ra calls the one infinite creator, um, developed into what's called the logos, the solar logos, galactic logos, or word, that gave rise to the light or intelligent energy that gave rise to seven dimensions. So there's a very uh, elaborate, um, finely developed cosmology presented in the raw material too. Uh, And it uh, very much... Um, acknowledges the um, metaphysical um, propriety or fairness in terms of um, uh, evol- you know, evolving souls for beings to reject um, themselves, <laughs> to reject reality, the reality of love uh, and unity and uh, God's plan and uh, go against, um, you know, go against their soul, actually, at some level. And yet they can evolve, even though they keep certain distortions, uh, as you say, way down the line. Uh, This kind of teaching um, is very helpful to show the metaphysical basis of the social conflict that we're experiencing here on Earth. And so... This, I, I just the way I summarize it is that this cycle of soul evolution at the human level on planet Earth, which is ending now and transforming or moving to a higher quality, that, that's, you know, many, many religions talk about the end times, and that's, uh, they're, they're very much, many, many views are in accord with each other about the need for a cleansing or period of chaos and, and tribulation and then the return of the Christ principle, a return of Jesus or Imam Mahdi or um, some kind of positive uh, rebirth um, for the planet uh, and humanity. For those who are ready, um, we're approaching the end of this cycle. This cycle um, is, uh, because of its con- con- composite nature, um, humanity is um, wasn't really expected to become a unified planetary race or culture uh, because of the the input uh, because of the um, the mixture of the souls that are here and so uh, you know I've said in many talks if you have a problem with all the evil in the world take it up with the logos because it's by uh, God's allowance that the souls here that are freely choosing service to self remain here. And when the time is right, the third density cycle ends and Earth transits into a fourth dimensional planet or capable of hosting fourth dimensional life. Um, but it's expected to be service to other or the positively oriented group only and the others will leave those who can't make the grade or those who choose the negativity uh, won't be here in the next cycle. But um, wanderers have uh, a lot of, a, a bit of um, 
a bit of deep confusion about the difference between discernment and judgment. <laughs> to say that somebody, absolutely. you know, absolutely, I, I think, I think the wisdom component is so vital because you know there's a old expression: the road to hell is paved can be paved with good intentions. I think. Right. You know, it's like I, I think about what was in the news over the last few days here in the United States about uh, all these people that are um, marching in Washington and other places uh, in reaction to what happened at Parkland in the schools. And, you know, you can see these young people and they they're not basically conscious dark side people they're people that are they're wanting to to live they're wanting to do good they're wanting to love but they they lack so much wisdom that the actions they're taking in many ways are actually serving the dark side and to me it was just a reminder about how love without wisdom can be almost dangerous yeah Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there there is a Christian um, uh, exhortation or recommendation to pray for discernment. And um, if you pray for discernment and really um, open mind, heart to true discernment, love and appreciation of love and an understanding of healing will come, as well as a natural desire uh, and ability to help others. And so, unfortunately, unfortunately, though, uh, as time went on, the new age got co-opted to a great extent, and yep. people were so afraid of being accused of being judgmental yep. that they threw the baby out with the bathwater, and they 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 don't have the level of mental training and uh, higher mind. Uh, development that allows for that discernment and uh, you know to me it's just another example of uh, you know of what we've seen over and over again on this planet in recent history where 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 goodness attempts to uh, reveal itself through a certain structure and then after a while, that structure gets co-opted. Right. Every It's the story of every religion. <laughs> it's the story of the Giza Pyramid. It's the story of Nikola Tesla's um, inventions and technologies brought to humanity. So that, but you see, the interesting thing is the, the low, it, it was, it's certainly completely within divine plan, if we want to call it that, or logoic intention to not prevent that from happening. Not to make it happen, God doesn't cause evil, but God allows humans or beings who choose service to self to continue doing evil. And some people can't can't grok that and don't want to. But, but, what, but what about the ones that are kind of uh, what we would call the sheep in the middle? <laughs> the ones that aren't consciously serving the dark, but they're just, they're just in many, many ways, they're just lost. They're just duped, especially here in the United States where there's such an intense focus where literally 
tens of billions and billions of dollars are spent here in the United States every month to to uh, to stoke a narrative that uh, is designed to completely ensnare people in uh, in in confusion and cognitive dissonance. Uh, what about all these people that uh, they're just uh, these are the ones that I'm concerned about, the ones that are just completely unharvestable. Um, you know, I'm not the only light worker that uh, that has great compassion and for these people. And you know, obviously, we can't reach everybody, but certainly, I'm very committed to being on the lookout for people that are that are sincerely seeking. But I think what concerns many of us is that it seems like the dark side's really stepped up the brainwashing agenda and that combined with uh, what we talked about privately in the past about all the physical stresses uh, with all the toxins and GMOs and vaccines and chemtrails and electromagnetic pollution, the combination of the, um, the physical and metaphysical assault on sort of the average citizen here in the United States has become almost overwhelming. Yes, I totally agree with all you said. Um, so what's the question? <laughs> what can we do? What can we do as light workers, wanderers? What can we do to to serve beyond just, and I don't want to, to invalidate it, but certainly keeping our vibration clear and high. But in terms of, you know, what the Buddhists would call skillful means, right. at that level of reality, is there anything we can do? And, and if so, what can we do that you think would be a high leverage, skillful use of our focus and energies? Well, I think that, first of all, um, we're already doing our best. You're doing your best. I'm doing my best. And that doesn't mean perfect. It means we're still seeking to learn and grow and help. So if we continue yeah. seeking to learn and grow and help, um, that is um, uh, excellent <laughs> and and has potency and has effect, positive effect for sure. Uh, <clears throat> Ra talked about the middle group as the vast sinkhole of indifference. And I would say it's characterized by spiritual apathy, which leads to materialist focus or a focus on the physical, emotional, social, interpersonal, and nothing more. And many people, indeed, I completely, you know, I agree with everything you've said. And uh, many people are um, self, um, what, self-zombifying, um, self-derationalizing. I have a talk called The War on Reason, The War on yes. Truth. Uh, that's what we see going on. Uh, the And I, I, I personally think at, at this level of reality, that's, incredibly dangerous where you where you are not respecting reality I, I think that just throws you into into delusion almost by definition and uh, is really a uh, is really a very very uh, dangerous downward spiral I mean how can you have how can you how can you have a constitutional republic that has any chance of working? 
if the average person can't really read and comprehend what they're reading. Yeah, of course. Well, um, <clears throat> as I see it, several movies and books um, for forepictured, foreshadowed, um, indicated um, the successive goals of New World Order, uh, Illuminati, and the Service of Self-Leadership. Sure. Uh, we have 1984, which is a you know global uh, fascist police state uh, hard force system. Then we have uh, Brave New World, and Brave New World is a mind-controlled, um, derationalized, <clears throat> animalized, mechanized, robotized, zombified, uh, drugged human population that is basically a, a slave planet. And the final... No, I mean, you, can see it, you can see it in great detail in the Protocols of Zion. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that, that I mean, shows... it's very, very incredibly... I mean, I have to take my hat off to them. It, incredibly clever and well thought out. Well, their teachers are 4D negative Orion. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's, it's spoken in the New Testament, you know, for we wrestle not with powers, uh, you know, with, with yeah. earth, human forces, but powers and principalities. And there really is a war in heaven, and it's a war for human soul, and um, it's not a war of, um, you know, physical weaponry. It's really a war of light uh, as it pertains to influence on individual and collective consciousness. And, and now we have the, uh, and now they're now the next big wave they're gonna they're gonna try to sell us on is the advantages of the AI agenda. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, I so, mean, my view is that none of those that, that we won't get to planetary 1984, we won't get to planetary Brave New World, and we won't get to what I consider the real end game is shown in the movie uh, Oblivion, Tom Cruise, which is radical planetary depopulation and resource extraction, which is the primary goal, I believe, of Orion, is that Earth has been slated for massive depopulation and uh, exhaustive planetary uh, resource extraction. I don't think that the negatives will get those goals. And the Bible and many other um, religious eschatological presentations um, of end times accord with that. But Yes, indeed. They've been extremely successful. They're extremely clever. Uh, humanity doesn't know what hit them. And um, most people are well-intentioned, um, self-oppressive. And that was my question. What is the best thing we can do well, beyond, beyond what you said in general, c being committed to learning, growing, serving? Well, I can, I can give you some, some of how, yeah. I, how I see um, uh, advanced service or ways of being of more highly focused service. Number yeah. one, <clears throat> with every single interaction, with every single person, every single day of your life, as much as we can, try to be a positive, uh, a positive influence. If you're not feeling well, try not to bring your anger and irritation to people um, if indeed you can help them, um, you know, by being friendly and kindly, try to be friendly and kindly. Now, if you're feeling lousy, maybe you shouldn't be with people trying to help. <laughs> you should be home trying to take care of how your, you know, your, your personal pain. So 
the basis of helping other is helping self. Helping self means basically development of love, wisdom, expanded consciousness, and balance. Um, emotional healing is where it all starts. Psychological self-understanding, self-acceptance, forgiveness, and um, this is accord with lower, you know, the, clearing the blockages of the lower three chakras. So, if you want to help others more skillfully and capably, uh, trans transform your beingness more fully, which means learning about, you know, learning more about healing and balance and finding where you're not healed and not well. But in every single interaction with every single person every single day, if you can, um, and you will when you're more balanced and we, when we are more balanced and healed and clear and, and peaceful in mind, try to be a positive influence. And then see them clearly. And what you yeah. will see in most every case is that people are in some degree of pain and angst. They're also not that interested in information. And so... Giving information to somebody who doesn't want it, like Jesus said, is you know throwing seeds on rocky ground. They don't take root and um, nothing grows. So don't give people information unless you're really sure they want it. Don't help people um, simply in the way you like to help, but see them clearly as much as you can in the moment and get a sense of um, how much they really are receptive to any help you could offer. But the, the, the help that you can always offer, that they'll always or nearly always be receptive to, is kindliness, friendliness, you know, goodwill. And that's fourth chakra. And so in many cases, there's not much more than we can do than that. But that's significant that the person we are focused on every interaction, every interaction counts. And be a positive force, you know. And that may not even mean speaking. It may simply mean holding them in acceptance and care in your heart and listen to them. <clears throat> and that's it. <laughs> and don't forget yourself and whatever your needs are, but um, be there for them as much as you can. That's number one. Number two, um, spiritual practice like meditation or any kind of um, self-training in a, in a formal way with technique is really, really important. It's so much more potent than simply study and talking listening to lectures and reading and talking and thinking. This is not anywhere as deep, deeply self-transformative as a truly balanced spiritual practice uh, like certain forms of meditation. So <clears throat> if you really want to help others, um, help yourself more potently by choosing and following with, following through with and staying with certain spiritual practices that you that fit you, that, that you feel are right for you. And thirdly, um, you can do world um, visualization, you know, peace, prayer, meditation, and visualization to send love, light to humanity every single day of your life. You want to help the world? Do, vi do visualization and meditation every single day of your life and send love and light in open-hearted care and kindness uh, to all humanity. <laughs> that helps a lot too, you know. So One of the things I've found <clears throat> is that when you get more than one person together who's agreed to do that kind of world visualization meditation there is a there's an exponential increase in impact definitely Ra talks about that as the law of squares meaning right. it's a what i would call a factorializing of metaphysical potency or metaphysical effect of polarized activity so we're talking about activity on the positive path 
This is what Ra calls positive polarization, uh, service to other, um, centered spiritual practice, uh, world service by radiatory love light sending. All of that is, uh, these are ways of continuing positive polarization, which just means continuing on our spiritual path or our path of transformation. And yes, absolutely, when groups do it together, it's uh, highly potentized. You know, I think one of the most challenging things for wanderers who maybe uh, at a soul level are more familiar with operating in the higher densities and don't have as much experience with the harshness that you can experience as an individual in this world is um, the importance of learning without judgment, but just based on love and wisdom, the importance of establishing and maintaining and adjusting for appropriate boundaries, both energetically and in terms of uh, behavior and speech. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I, I don't really follow psychological nomenclature all the time, even though my background is, you know, in, in psychology, transpersonal psychology. Uh, we can say boundaries. <clears throat> we can also say, uh, take good care of yourself all the time and know your mind and be really honest with yourself about your feelings and try to find out uh, the basis of your own feelings. So if somebody, you know, in what would be called boundary infringement or poor boundaries or diffuse boundary, <clears throat> where a person's not um, really... Um, giving to another or um, in compliance towards another um, and and what we could call a boundary issue, has boundary issues. <clears throat> I see it as a person who's not really taking good care of themselves and not willing, absolutely. not, not able absolutely, to be honest about their it's feelings. It's absolutely a part of that commitment. Um, you know, I would say... In the 30 years that I've been a holistic doctor, probably 80% of my patients have been female. And, you know, one of the things I've seen almost universally, obviously there are exceptions, but um, many, many of the patients that I've had have suffered a lot correlated with their either lack of ability and or willingness to lovingly say no when that's appropriate. Right. <clears throat> right. And to and that they have a right to ask for what they want. They have a right to negotiate. They have a right to uh, turn around and walk away. Uh, just sort of this this sort of blind spot about fundamental rights as it translates into human individuality and and the confluence of that uh, in my linguistics, in my languaging, inherently brings up this issue of boundaries. Because if you are operating at the level where you're acknowledging the existence of individual selves with free will, uh, in my languaging, you're going to end up by definition, by structural definition, whether you're looking at it at the cellular level with a cell membrane, or if you're looking at it at a human level in relationships, you're going to come up with this, these boundary issues that are part of wellness, that are part of taking care of yourself. And I'm open to another word that points to that, 
or and I'm open to looking at what might be limited about using that word, but for me so far, that's been a useful word. Sure. I mean, if it's useful, then then it's good. Whatever is useful, <laughs> truly useful for our own, you know, long term welfare and benefit, as a Buddhist would say, uh, is is good, and uh, you know, I, I support it. <clears throat> I think that there are a couple of points I would make. One is that. Uh, the self is not less important than other. <laughs> Your needs are not less important than other. Taking care of others is not more valuable than taking care of yourself, actually. And, and that's how I see it. Meaning, taking good care of yourself is not uh, existentially inferior to sacrificing and taking care of other. Mm, self and right. other, you know, self and other are, you know, Ra said, self is a being of infinite worth. So, your worth is infinite, my worth is infinite. And so many of what, we're, what you're calling boundary issues, I think, are bound up with um, self-worth uh, issue. The, the self-worth issue is the sense of worthiness. And I think one of the primary psychological conflicts or wound, areas of wounding for Earth humanity is self-esteem. Many, many, many people have low self-esteem. Which really means Absolutely. low self-value, low self-worth, a sense of low self-worth. And that can lead very kindly good people to burnout and martyrdom and putting others over themselves. Uh, in some ways, it's very, it's quite holy to put others first. But the people who, you know, the, the saints who truly serve the world have already done profound self-transformation. They don't need to be served they're happy to offer all to all. But um, if a person carries low self-esteem or low self-worth or has issues of self-worth, uh, then there's this implicit uh, self-non-appreciation, lack of self-love. <laughs> and so there's, if there's a, if there, when there, when there are self-esteem, low self-esteem and self, low self-worth, there's a lack of self-love, self-appreciation. And then there's a corresponding wisdom deficiency, deficiency of discernment, putting others over ourselves to our own detriment and then going towards martyrdom or burnout. And those are all, you know, these are boundary issues, too. So people need yeah. to realize that you're important, too. You're no less important than anyone else. Uh, and you're worthy of your own love. <laughs> you're worthy of love and care. And, and anybody who has a problem with that in some ways, can't help others um, that fully. You know, there'll be limits in our helping other when we don't love ourselves. And love ourselves is not narcissism. It's just kindliness, you know? It's just, if I'm in pain, I want to know, and I want to remove the causes of my pain so I'm not in pain. That's it. Yeah. That's compassion. You know, Scott, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing the time, and what I'm thinking is... Uh, We've been going for about an hour and a quarter, and I'm, I'm thinking that if we continue on with all the topics that I want to talk about today, the length of this is going to get really unwieldy, and I have things I have to do later this evening, and you probably have things you have to do. What I would like to do, if you're open to it, is I'd like to move toward wrapping this conversation up and I'd like to see if we can make an agreement that sometime in the new, near future we'll do a part two because 
there's so many things I want to get into and I want to give them time to do them justice. But I know if we go much longer, it's probably going to end up being counterproductive. Sure. Yeah, we can. Would, we you, can, be, um, would you be willing to have a to do a part two sometime within the next few weeks? Uh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Okay, good. Well, in that case, I want to move toward wrapping up this conversation and just say that you can see that we're scratching the surface of an enormous spiritual work here and the, the, and, and the, and the understanding of it and really uh, chewing on the material and honestly looking at the implications and practical applications of this work for us as uh, psychophysical beings here on planet Earth. This recording is being done in 2018, where uh, it's sort of like the uh, the showdown at the OK Corral time. So it's a very yeah. intense time as we're doing this recording, especially here in the United States right now and in California. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, Scott, I just want to thank you for uh, the care that you bring to all of your work and all of your communications and you know, I, I know that you have so much to give, and I know your answers are complex, long answers, and that's fine. Um, and I want to continue it. It's just for, I think, structurally, it would be better to move toward winding this conversation down. So with that in mind, is there anything you'd like to say in closing for to close down this particular conversation? Um, well, first I want to say thank you for interviewing me, and your questions are um, helpful and, and focused and interesting, <clears throat> so I appreciate the dialogue. Uh, you know, it, it, personal transformation, spiritual transformation is uh, accumulative, so it's day by day, and people um, should trust the process and trust themselves and trust their the, the consequences of their seeking. Keep seeking, um, keep thinking, keep feeling, open, keep the heart open. And if if one feels pain, try to understand what it's all about and the causes. And face, you know, love truth. <laughs> truth will <clears throat> help us set ourselves free. Uh, and so uh, believe in yourself. Um, but don't fool yourself and don't follow, as a great teacher Lin Chi, a Chinese Buddhist monk, said, don't, just don't follow the deluded views of others. So keep refining um, the eye for truth and um, keep it in your heart and uh, we'll be fine. But we can't save humanity. They can only save themselves. So, Scott, for people that want to check out your work, uh, I would highly recommend your YouTube channel. Would you spell your name and also mention the name of your YouTube channel? Sure. My name is Scott Mandelker, uh, last name M-A-N-D-E-L-K-E-R. The YouTube channel is T-W-S Mandelker, T-W-S Mandelker, which means talks with Scott Mandelker, or some people would say Taiwan S. Mandelker. And so Scott Mandelker, uh, and I also have a blog, which I really don't use, and that's, uh, but there are PDF files there, and there are about a dozen, they're all free, and <clears throat> it's uh, http 
talkswithscottmandelker.com. No www. It's a Tumblr blog, talkswithscottmandelker.com. And there's a page for PDF um, files. And I do personal sessions, and that can be found also on the talkswithscottmandelker.com blog. <clears throat> and um, on the YouTube channel, there are nearly 600 talks and uh, about 20 different playlist categories and uh, lots and lots of uh, rich food for thought. So, so we can, and we can continue next time, whatever you like. So that TWS Mandelker, there's a space between TWS and Mandelker, right? No, no, it's unspaced. No, it's, it's just... It's one word. <clears throat> yeah, it's capital T, capital W, capital S, capital M, Mandelker. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. And I've been speaking with uh, my friend, Scott, Scott Mandelker, and we've been beginning to penetrate the law of one material, the raw, the raw material, and taking a look at what that means for us today in this particular time-space coordinate. So with that, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now.